0: Well, you take your Bibles and turn to one passage of Scripture, and I want you to just keep it there. We'll get to it in a, in a couple of minutes. But um, today, the sermon's titled, um, The Bad News Versus the Good News. And when Pastor Zach and I, we decided to do this as a double team, um, chose our parts, I, I said, I'll do the bad news. I'll do the bad news. But remember, every second and every minute that I share the bad news in the back of your mind ought to be the good news. Amen? All right. So let me start with the bad news, but let's pray first. Father in heaven, we pray for your blessing on our our message this morning, that as we look at your word together, that you would guide our thoughts and help us to honor you and to love you and to serve you. And to rejoice in the hope that you have given to us for eternal life. In Jesus, your most precious name we pray. Amen. Well, the bad news begins with this. We worship under a shadow of death. You remember David in Psalm 23 says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, To understand that, you'd have to understand what a shepherd does when he takes his sheep from the lowlands and takes them up into the highlands. When he takes his sheep from the lowlands up into the highlands, he takes them through these craggy crevices and cliffs and ravines that oftentimes become very dark as the sun begins to set or hasn't risen yet. And so it was a very good picture for David to share with us, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. But we are in a worldwide pandemic. That's what a pandemic is, something that is worldwide, a worldwide plague. And we understand the reality of its contamination. We understand the reality of how contagious the organisms of the virus that we're dealing with are. I'm thinking of an Old Testament passage of Scripture in the book of Haggai. Haggai uh, is a book that describes for us uh, some very important spiritual truths. And God directed Haggai to share this question um, with you through the priests of the Old Testament. Thus says the Lord of hosts, now ask the priests concerning the law, saying, if one carries holy meat in the fold of his garment, and with the edge he touches bread or stew wine or oil, or any food, will it become holy? And all the priests and all of us could say, no, no. And then he poses the second question. Haggai said, if one who is unclean because of a dead body touches any of these, will it be unclean? So the priests answered and said, yes, it's going to be unclean. Here in the United States of America, I've often thought of this particular illustration uh, that has been handed down for thousands of years now. And uh, I've thought of it like a basket of apples. If I put uh, a basket of rotten apples and I put a good apple in it, is the good apple going to make all the bad apples good? And the answer is what? No. If I put a basket of good apples out and I put a rotten apple in it, is the rotten apple going to make all of the good apples bad? And the answer is yes. See, we understand, we understand the reality of contamination. And this world has faced many pandemics before. The Spanish flu of 1918 is one of the worst that we've ever experienced. It spread across this entire planet in a matter of months. of the world's population was affected. 500 million people contracted the flu, and 20% of them died. 25 million died in the first six months alone. And the amazing thing about the Spanish flu of 1918 was that it didn't attack the the younger generation, and it didn't attack the older generation. For some strange reason, it attacked young, healthy people who were normally resistant to the flu. Forty percent of the servicemen in the Navy were afflicted. Thirty-six percent of the men in the army were afflicted. It was one of the worst pandemics ever. The bubonic plague is another good illustration it was one of the it was the most probably devastating pandemic that has ever been recorded by secular history. It peaked around the mid 1300s in Europe, but it devastated three continents before it reached Europe. And it was carried on the silk road and merchant ships by fleas living on rats. Most of us are familiar with the bubonic plague, and it was it was suggested and uh, calculated to some degree that it killed up to 60% of Europe's population, and it took Europe 200 years to recover from that particular plague. Now, compare these two with the worst plague ever, because I, you and I know that there's a worse plague than even the bubonic plague and the Spanish flu. It's a plague that began in Genesis chapter 3 when Adam and Eve sinned in the Garden of Eden. It is a plague that not only affected them back then, but it constantly recurs. It's a recurring plague that affects the whole human race and still affects us today. I ask you to look at Romans chapter 5 verse 12 for my passage of Scripture today. And here it is. Therefore, just as through one man, sin entered the world and death through sin. And thus death spread to all men because all sinned. Now look at that again. Through one man, sin entered the world and death through sin. And thus death spread to all men because all sinned. We can trace this plague or this pandemic through generations. The Bible gives to us genealogy after genealogy after genealogy. We have nine chapters of genealogy in First Chronicles. We have the genealogy of Jesus in Matthew and the genealogy of Jesus in Luke that takes us all the way back to Adam and Eve. And I've noticed a very important thing. That when you look at these genealogies, there's a hundred percent mortality rate. A hundred percent. We've had a couple of exceptions in history where God has taken two people that we know to heaven. But you look at your own family genealogy, and I'm going to tell you that I am positive when you look at your genealogy that you're going to find out that it's a hundred percent mortality rate. And here's the tragedy. The tragedy is that the human race is more concerned about this pandemic than the pandemic pandemic of sin. Now, listen, there is no way in the world that you're going to get me to minimize this pandemic because it is worldwide, and we have seen it, and we've seen the devastation of all of that. But listen, if this does not lead us to the place where we will understand that there's a greater plague, a plague of sin... If this does not lead us to the place where we understand that God has a remedy and we need to embrace that remedy and readily accept that remedy, then we will really, in the long run, be no better for it. And so it's critical for us to do that. Well, I've given you the bad news. And Pastor Zach is going to come and give you the good news. But I want you to think of this statistic, 57 million people approximately die on this planet every single year how many of us are dying without christ how many of us are dying because we have not readily accepted the remedy that god has given to us so pastor zach will you come and share with us the good news
1: We were picking our parts. Um, I was surprised, happily happily surprised that I got the good news, because when I compare us, I always think that I'm the bad news kind of guy, and you're the good news kind of guy. So I get to share the good news with you this morning. If you take your Bibles, flip over from Romans to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and we're going to get to that in a few minutes, Uh, but before we do, I want to look at a couple of other scriptures um, for you this morning. So, In history, the human race has found that there really are only three ways of dealing with disease and sickness. Those three ways are prevention, treatment, or cures. Let me talk a little bit about what I mean by those. Uh, As far as prevention goes, to prevent a disease means you take the steps necessary to avoid ever coming in contact with the disease. You take the steps necessary to ever become infected. Uh, Right now we are living prevention for the coronavirus, that's why we're not even here together this morning, because we are trying to stay away and make sure we don't get infected. And There are other diseases throughout history, yellow fever is another one, where um, rather than curing, uh, doctors recommend that you stay away completely. Uh, Another way of handling disease is through treatment, And there's a difference between treatments and cures because there are some treatments for diseases that will never lead to a cure. Uh, Take, for example, asthma. It's a disease that is incurable, uh, but you can take steps to control the disease in your life so that you can have somewhat of a normal uh, normal life. And finally, there's cures. Now, these are closely tied to the idea of treatment because in order to be cured of a disease, you have to be treated for it. But we do have the ability to com- uh, completely eradicate uh, some diseases through specific steps and specific treatments. Uh, smallpox is a great example of one of those. Uh, since 1980, the World Health Alliance um, has reported that there, are n- there has not been one single case of smallpox, and that was a disease that used to ravage the human race um, constantly. Uh, but smallpox has been eradicated through cure. Now, I bring this up... To tie, it exactly, uh, to tie it to um, this idea of the plague of sin. These things hold true just the same to the disease of sin. Back in Genesis, uh, when God created the heavens and the earth, and God created Adam and Eve, and he created all the animals, and everything in this world, he created it all very good. He created it all sinless. There was no sin in his creation, from what he did. And we see that he gave Adam and Eve everything they could have needed, and he gave them his own, even presence and fellowship with them. And he gave them one rule in Genesis 2.15, where he said, "'You can eat from any other tree in the garden, "'but you cannot eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, "'for in the day you eat of it you shall surely die.'" I'm sure you've seen this by now, but when the Bible speaks of death, it is synonymous with sin. Death is in the creation because of sin. So the plague of sin, the disease of sin, is also the plague and disease of death. So what God is saying is, in order to remain uh, unaffected from the disease of sin, do not eat from this one tree. Well, we know how that story ends. And instead of preventing the human race from being infected with sin, Adam and Eve gave in to temptation, and they ate. And now they have doomed not only the human race, but all of creation to die from sin. So prevention didn't work. So since then, humanity, and this is true if you look at, just look at all the major religions, uh, just do a quick study of all of these religions, and it, uh, they all kind of boil down to this one idea that in order to be saved, in order to go to the good place, wherever that might be, in order to uh, receive reward in the end of your life, then we have to treat the disease of sin. And the treatment that humanity has come up with is, if I'm just good enough, then at the end, I will be rewarded. I can beat the, the, the disease of death through my good works. And like I said, every major religion and most minor religions and just about everything boils down to that idea that humans are so concerned that as long as my good deeds outweigh my bad deeds, then I will be rewarded at the end. But God has some things to say about that, and I'm going to read to you from Isaiah 64. In Isaiah 64, uh, verse 6, this is what God says, and, and this is just one passage, and there are many throughout the Bible, where God um, clues us into exactly what our good works in and of ourselves look like to him. This is what it says in Isaiah 64 6, but we are all like an unclean thing, and all our righteousness, all our righteousnesses, that means all our good works, all the things we do that are considered good, are like filthy rags. We all fade as a leaf." And our iniquities, like the wind, have taken us away. The human race is locked in this struggle against sin, and we know that it's a problem and it infects us, and so we try to do everything we can to work our way out of that disease. But God is saying, listen, take note. Sin is so powerful, it is so pervasive, it is so deadly that not even your good works look good at all. They are like filthy rags. Paul echoes that idea in Ephesians uh, chapter two when he says, listen, you're not saved by your own works because your works could never save you. You have nothing to boast in. We cannot take pride in our good works because they accomplish nothing for us. So our treatment, the treatment that humanity has come up with, cannot deal with the disease of sin. Sin is so powerful that it works on two levels. Here's how the disease is killing us. Uh, When we're born into sin, we are instantly killed spiritually. Our relationship with God is broken, and it's caused a chasm that we cannot get over. And the minute we're born is the minute our bodies start to grow and decay at the same time. We are already killed by sin, and we are dying from the disease of sin. I know I'm supposed to give you the good news, right? Well, here it is. The third way that we, uh, as a human race, have been able to deal with disease and sin is to find cures, and there are many diseases that years ago we couldn't, we couldn't get rid of, and now we can not only prevent them, but we can cure them through, um, through, certain, uh, through certain treatments. And the same rings true with the disease of death. God is a God of life, and he's the great physician, and there's no way the great physician who created life to be good would ever allow his enemy sin to have the victory. But like we said before, when you follow a cure, you have to follow specific treatments, and the same is true for the cure to sin. There is only one way to have the disease of sin and death in your life eradicated from it. I want to start, we're going to get to 1 Corinthians, but I want to start in Ephesians real quick. Uh, That passage I was uh, talking about before, verses 8 and 9, where Paul says, you can't boast any of your works. Before that, he says this. I I just have to read it. I love this so much. Ephesians 2, verse 4 says, But God, here's the bad news, but God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, succumbed to the disease of sin, he made us alive together with Christ. And he raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Now turn over to 1 Corinthians, and I want you to uh, keep an eye, or maybe uh, take note or keep account of how, many of how many times the name of Jesus is brought up in everything Paul's talking about. Because here's how Jesus uh, cures the disease of sin on both levels, on the spiritual level and on the physical level. Listen to this. Uh, in 1 Corinthians 15... He starts out, I want to start out in verse 3. He says this, just so we all know exactly what we're talking about, what subject we're talking about, this is what Paul says in verse 3. For I delivered to you, first of all, that which I also received. Here's the thing that changed Paul's life, that cured his life of the disease of sin. That Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures and that he was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. Easter morning is where we spend every second of our time worshiping together, focusing and, and praising the fact of the gospel. The good news, what Paul just said, that Christ died for our sins, that he was buried and he rose again on the third day. Now here's how this cure, the cure of Christ, uh, fixes the disease of sin and eradicates it. On both levels, that we mentioned before. Go to verse 20 of uh, 1 Corinthians 15. But now Christ is risen from the dead and has become the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since by man came death, by man also came the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ all shall be made alive. He's saying in the future there is going to be a resurrection unlike anything we've ever experienced before. When these bodies physically die and have to go away because of the curse of sin, God is going to take and make a new body for all of his children, and that body will never die. It's an eternal body, an everlasting body that will be With him, He goes on in verse 24, and then he says, Then comes the end. When he delivers the kingdom of God to the Father, the he here is Jesus. When he puts an end to all the rule and all authority and power, for he must reign till he has put all enemies under his feet. Jesus is going to defeat all the enemies and stop all the diseases. And the last enemy that will be destroyed is death. Remember, sin and death are the same thing. The curse of sin, the disease of sin is the disease of death, and Jesus will destroy death. He'll put death... To death, and it will not be something we ever consider again after that day. That's the coming future eradication of the disease, the coming cure of the disease of sin. But it doesn't just work on that level because sin doesn't just work on that level, sin also works in the present, and it is constantly trying to kill our relationships with God but Jesus handles that as well. Go to verse 55 of 16 of uh, 1 Corinthians 15, I'm sorry. This is near the end when he's wrapping up this perfect resurrection chapter. I'm going to start in verse 14. So when this corruptible has put on incorruption and this mortal has put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory, right? So he's just saying again, death is going to be destroyed. But in the present, listen to verse 55. O death, where is your sting? O Hades, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, who, look at the tense, gives us the victory through Jesus Christ. Not will give us the victory, not has given us the victory, gives us right now. The moment you put your faith in Jesus Christ is the moment he has given you victory and begun the cure of sin in your life, we know He's going to get rid of it, so we can live every day knowing that and trusting that He is getting rid of it right now in our lives. On both levels, Christ is the cure for sin, in the end and right now. So, as I mentioned before, in order to uh, in order for a cure to be effective, you have to follow certain treatments You can't just do a treatment for one disease and expect it to cure another disease. So what that means for us in relation to sin and Jesus is that we have to follow the prescribed treatments for the cure. The first thing you must do is put your faith in Jesus Christ. And if you're watching this morning and you have not done that, I pray that you will do that right now. It is an immediate effect when you do Put your faith and trust in the fact that Jesus was the perfect sacrifice. He came to this earth, lived a sinless life, was brutally murdered and betrayed. He was innocent throughout it all. And three days later, he showed his power over death, proving that he was once and for all the saving God and rose again. And that's what we're celebrating this morning. That's the first step. That's the first treatment. And now you spend. we spend the rest of our lives working towards the eradication of sin in our lives through the power of Christ. And verse 58 of 1 Corinthians 15, where Paul ends, sums it up. And there is so much, and we could spend so many more hours talking about this and and a whole series talking about what he means here. But I'm just going to read it for you. Therefore, my beloved brethren, therefore, all of you saints, all of you who have put your faith in Christ, here's the rest of the treatment to cure sin in your life every day. Be steadfast, be immovable. Don't change from the hope. Fix the hope in your mind, fix your eyes on Jesus, and do not waver. Always abounding in the work of the Lord, meaning the work of the Lord you do today, tomorrow do more. Tomorrow, the next day, do more. The next day after that, do more. The next moment, do more. Always abounding in the work of the Lord. Those things, and then he says, here's why those will work, because we know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. If the God, the great physician, who can cure the disease of sin and death, uh, if he can do those things, then he can keep you and cure and eradicate sin in your life every day because he's promised to do it, he has done it, and he will do it once and for all at the end. Before I go, I just want to read um, a quote from a Puritan pastor. This is Richard Sibbs. I thought this was great. He says, God is never at a loss, his skill cannot be set down. His good he is good at all diseases, to pardon all kinds of sins. Therefore let us go to him for cure, seeing there is neither sin nor grief, nor terror of conscience conscience arising from sin which can be so great, but that God can cure both the sin and the terror. And as he is a healing physician, so he puts his patients at no charge. For as he says, I will heal their backslidings. And so he says, I will love them freely. Amen.
0: So here we are. Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, I can face Eternity. This is our celebration of the resurrection of Christ. This is our celebration of the hope of the world. And I go back to Romans chapter 5, where the Bible tells us that through one man sin entered the world and death through sin, and thus death spread to all men. But I, I, I want you to, as we close, I, I want to invite you to Christ this morning. And I want you to understand that Sin is even worse than the spread of a disease because sin is a condition of the heart. If you fully isolate yourself and you never come in contact with anybody else's sin, it's still in your heart. It was there the day you were born. And so it's important for us to look to Christ and to recognize that His death on the cross and His resurrection... Gives us eternal life. Amen? Amen. Well, let's close with this invitation. And if you don't know the Lord, His personal Savior, come to Him. Let's, what does the Bible say? For God so loved the world, everybody together. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Can this be your testimony hymn as we close this morning, My Hope is in the Lord. Let's sing it together. My hope is in the Lord who gave himself for me and paid the price of all my sin at Calvary for me.